Hello there, this is A.D. Robles, and you're listening to A.D. on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. All right, well, I wanted to just uh, do an episode today, uh, kind of inspired by an interaction that I had on Twitter, Uh, but it's a topic I've thought a lot about, and I think it's an important topic and actually, I just so happened to be listening listening to a an episode of Cross Politic. If you don't like, if you don't listen to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network, what are you what are you doing? That's what I'd like to know. Cross Politic is a great show. You know, what I try to do with Cross Politic is, you know, I try to like find. They always have a few different topics, but they don't tell you where in the in the uh, <laughs> in the uh, timestamps that the topics are. So I try to like find the topics I want, but, but what I end up doing is end up watching the whole thing anyway, because even the topics I'm not really interested in, they're always really interesting. Uh, so, you know, good good on CrossPolitik. You definitely should watch it. Oh, while I'm on the subject, uh, become a Fight, Laugh, Feast Network Club member. I'm going to drop my first sort of um, you know, members-only video in there. It's going to be about an article called Jerks for Jesus. It's uh, a couple weeks ago I said how we don't play by your rules anymore, Big Evo. We don't play by your rules anymore, conference speakers. <laughs> and this is a good example of what I mean. It's actually not a bad article in general, so I'm not going to just like rip it apart. But I do want to talk about the imbalances of the articles. I think it's helpful for our movement. But anyway, become a Fight, Laugh, Feast Club member. You'll have access to that video when it drops, along with a lot of other uh, uh, exclusive videos and, and content as well. You'll also have access to uh, discounts on merchandise and things like that. Speaking of merchandise, Gabe the other day on Cross Politics was wearing a really cool-looking hat that I'm going to try to get my hands on. But anyway, Fight, Laugh, Feast Club membership, please support the content that you love because the more that you support it, the more we can do of it. And we are in this fight. We are laughing. We are feasting. So join us. Anyway, let's get to the topic. So the other day, he's just a, a normal guy, you know, run-of-the-mill uh, guy. So I'm not going to put him on blast, you know, by his name. He's not a blue check mark. He's not a known quantity. You know, I don't intend to blast people that aren't known quantities. So, um, you know, here, here's what was said on Twitter, and I'll tell you a little bit about how I responded and sort of how I how I think about it. Last uh, last week, uh, the the Trump administration administration decided to reinstate the death penalty federally. Uh, a lot of people were upset about that, and so here's a common response that I see from from Christians, people who profess to be Christians. Uh, regarding the death penalty. So here's what it says. It says, so is the pro-life crowd going to be protesting the death penalty news? Are they going to come out against it with the same energy they had defending the heartbeat bills? Or am I going to be disappointed again in their lack of integrity? It's the last one, isn't it? And and this is the idea that if you're if you're pro-life, well, you how could you be for the death penalty? Because the death penalty is the opposite of life. Right, death is the opposite of life. So, so to be consistent according to this line of thought, you'd have to be against the death penalty in order to be consistently pro-life. And I responded to this this tweet uh, with a tweet of my own, and I said, "No, we're not going to protest it. We're going to be praising God for it because we believe the Bible, the whole thing." You see, here's the thing: I don't really care if you call me pro-life or anti-abortion or anti. Uh, baby killing or pro-birth or whatever. You can call me whatever you want. I, I, I'm not zealous for the term pro-life. So if you, if that's too complicated for you to understand how someone could be pro-life but also pro-death penalty, then throw it away. I don't care. I don't care what you call me. Um, but but the reality is that, that this is a very common but very fallacious line of thought. 
Being pro-life, most people understand that that means being against abortion. So it does not require you to be against all death. Because some death is not only biblically okay, but biblically commanded. And that's something that we need to think about. And so this person responded to me uh, with kind of a really obtuse comment, in my opinion. He says, so you believe that killing innocent people for crimes they didn't commit is in the Bible? <laughs> that's pretty stupid, right? I mean, obviously, I don't believe in that. But, th- but, but actually, I-, I have a little sympathy for this line of thought, because this is exactly what I used to say. I used to be anti-death penalty. This is before I was a Christian, but, but this is the line of thought I had. I said, look, in theory, the death penalty should be okay. If you kill someone, you forfeit your life. That makes sense to a lot of people. But in practice, oftentimes, uh, people who, maybe not oftentimes, but sometimes people who didn't actually commit a crime get the death penalty because they're wrongly convicted or something like that. And so therefore, we should have a moratorium on the death penalty until we can figure out how to eliminate pe- innocent people dying uh, via wrongful convictions. That was my argument. I, I, and, 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 and even to this day, there is something about that argument that makes a little bit of sense to me. But um, I don't believe that argument anymore. I think the death penalty is still just, um, even if sometimes a, a wrongful conviction happens. We want to elim- we want to eliminate the the number of, of, of wrongful convictions. It'd be better if there were none. But just because there could be some doesn't mean we shouldn't do the right thing and have the death penalty for crimes that are worthy of the death penalty. And so um, one of the things that um, one of the things that that this, that this guy said in response to me, um, let me uh, let me find it. He said something about how uh, you know mo- most people think that it's a deterrent, like the death penalty is a d- deterrent, but the statistics don't show that it deters anything. And he gave me some statistics about I don't know, I don't even I didn't even read them because it doesn't it doesn't even matter to me uh, whether it's a deterrent or not. And 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 that might surprise some of you to hear that because if it's not an effective deterrent, why would you still be in favor of the death penalty? So in other words. If, it's, if, if, if the death penalty being around does not deter people from doing death penalty crimes, what's the value of it, right? That's, that's the idea. Um, and to me, the results of it is not why I would, I would want to do it. I think it probably is a deterrent. I think we have biblical warrant to think that it is. But um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't convince me if you had the most convincing statistics ever that said it doesn't deter crime. I still would be for the death penalty, and I'll explain why in a minute. But what I responded to this guy when he, he brought up this, this idea that it's not really a deterrent, what I responded to him was this. I said, actually, the Bible doesn't use the word deterrent. It uses the word terror. The government is to be a terror to bad conduct. That's why God gives the government the authority of the sword. And that, I have to admit, I, it is biblical, no question about it. That is what the Bible says. The government is to be a terror to bad conduct. But I pointed that out to be uh, to trigger this person intentionally. I did it on purpose because here's the thing: I knew it would trigger him, but it's biblical. So the reality is that he needs to be confronted with the fact that he is standing in contradiction to the Bible. This is a professed Christian. If you're against the death penalty and you're a professed Christian, you stand in contradiction to God. God instituted the death penalty. God commands the death penalty. And so if you stand against the death penalty, you stand against God's word. It's really just that simple. I know that people
people oversimplify things a lot of the time. But but this is very easy. It's very basic. It doesn't take a it doesn't take a, a seminary degree to understand that God commands the death penalty in certain situations. If you kill someone, if you murder someone without cause, then you uh, forfeit your life if convicted for that murder. If you rape someone, you forfeit your life for that rape. And so, so here's the thing. So like if you stand against the death penalty, you stand against God's word. And I'm not ashamed of God's word. Not at all. When it calls the Bible, uh, when the Bible calls the government and says it's to be a terror to bad conduct, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm absolutely happy to believe that. I'm happy to teach that. I'm happy to internalize that and and make that a goal. The government should be a terror to bad conduct. This person responded in such a strange way, especially for a professed Christian. He responded to that comment about the government being a terror to bad conduct. That's a quote from the Bible. He responded with this. Is the goal of your Twitter presence to be the best argument against Christianity possible? Because good job, if so. And so I responded with just a sad face. (laughs) You know what I mean? The conversation was clearly over at that point. Um, And it's just so, you know, honestly, I'm I'm, I'm kind of joking about it right now, but it's kind of... It's kind of a sad situation. It kind of makes me really worried for this guy because if you're willing to, to, to hear a Bible verse and then claim by quoting that Bible verse, you're actually an argument against Christianity um, and not misquoting it, not taking it out of context, talking about the exact context, the exact correct context, um, the government being a terror to bad conduct. If you look at that and say that's an argument against Christianity— I can't understand how you could consider yourself under the authority of God's word in any sense. That's a really dangerous place to be. And I've done this from time to time in my interactions with people in person and also online. I'll quote a Bible verse without citing it. So I'll say, I'll, I'll say the Bible verse, but I won't say, that's what it says in Romans 8. Like, I won't, I won't cite it, but I'll quote it. And people will say, well, that's stupid. And then I'm like, um, but that's actually Romans 8. I remember I did that once with uh, the verse that says that God consigned uh, everyone to disobedience um, so that he could have mercy on the righteous. What does it say? Oh, I got I to gotta quote this correct. Yeah, it's Romans, uh, Romans 11. God has consigned all men to disobedience so that he may have mercy on all. Uh, great verse. It's a great verse for talking to a, to an Arminian. And I actually I quoted one time I quoted it to an Arminian without citing it. And he said, well, that's stupid. That's like a doctor uh, making you sick just so he could heal you. And I said, dude, like, that's a Bible verse, man. So if that's stupid, y- y- you know, I don't really know what to tell you. But anyway, so so that's that's what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about this idea of the government being a terror to bad conduct and the death penalty and things like that. Because this is important, guys. This is important to get right. I mean, we don't want to find ourselves standing in contradiction to God's word. That's a really dangerous place to be. In fact, it's the stupidest possible place you could try to position yourself. If God's word says the government is to be a terror to bad conduct, you better believe that the government ought to be a terror to bad conduct. I mean, it's, it's, it's not something you can argue without be, placing yourself in contradiction to God. That's, that's not the place a Christian wants to be. I was listening to Cross Politic. I mentioned that in a minute, and they were interviewing Doug Wilson. Great interview. I mean, they, they do a great job. They have a great time. One of the things Doug was talking about was how people wonder, so people often say, what are you willing to die for? Are you willing to die for Christ? And that's a good thing to think about. I mean, as, in our personal lives, would we be willing 
to die for the cause of Christ. That's, that's a very profound thing to think about, and I would like to think that I would be willing to die for Christ. Um, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to put myself in that mindset because when you're in the moment, man, that, that's a tough thing. That's a tough thing to think about. I, I've resolved myself to be willing to do it, but would I really be doing it? Would I really be willing to do it at the, when the time comes? I hope so. I really hope so. But then some people respond and say, you know, really, that's not what's most important about what, who, who you'd be willing to die for. What's really more important is who you'd be willing to live for. Are you willing to live for Christ? You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, you know, when the time comes and I need to be martyred, I'll be martyred. That's one thing. But you can live for Christ right now in everything that you do. Live for Christ. Obey your Lord. Uh, um, 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 share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Things like that. So, so it's really not the question you should be asking yourself is maybe not so much who you're going to, who you're willing to die for, but really who you're willing to live for. And I think I agree. That's also a good question to ask for to to, to to ask yourself. I'm willing to die for Christ. Great. Are you willing to live for Him? That's important too. I, I would agree. But Doug, in his normal provocative type of a way, says that actually. You also have a third question that you should probably ask yourself. I don't think in this interview he said those other two questions were bad. They're they're good questions too. But he said there's a third question you need to ask yourself. Who are you willing to die for? Who are you willing to live for? And the third question is, who are you willing to kill for? That is a shocking one. That is one that a lot of people aren't ready for. Who are you willing to kill for? And that is a question that, that we all also need to ask ourselves, because the reality is, if you have a biblical understanding of government, right, you've got different spheres of government, right? You've got, you've got your personal government, your family, so you ha- how you run yourself and your family. You've got the church government, how you run the local church, the assembly of Jesus Christ, right? The local body of Christ, how you run that. And then you've got the civil government, you know, the state government, the city government, the federal government, things like that, and how you run that. And God has given different responsibilities to each sphere. So I have, as a family, uh, as, a, as a leader of the family, as the father, I've got certain responsibilities that I'm in charge of. As, uh, as, as a church, your pastor, your elders have different responsibilities that they're in charge of. And then the state, the government, the civil government has responsibilities. And the Bible says one of those responsibilities is the authority to kill. There are certain crimes, there are certain things that God gives the government that and says, look, you have the authority of the sword, you're to be a terror to bad conduct, and I tell you what the standard of bad conduct is. And so the government needs to be a deacon of God, that's, that's something the Bible says, a servant of God, and it needs to stand ready to kill for Christ. Now, I understand that that is a shock to the system to many of you, killing for Christ. That sounds like Sharia law, doesn't it? Some people do say this is Sharia law, right? Now, this is not a license for the government to just kill whoever is doing something that the Bible says is bad. No, the Bible actually gives you a standard of what are crimes that are worthy of the death penalty and what are sins that aren't even crimes, that they shouldn't be regulated by the government. The Bible gives us the standard there. So this is not Sharia law in the sense of anything that's wrong can be, you know, the police can come get you for it. And that's not what it is. That's not what it is. That's not how the Bible works. It's not Sharia law because Sharia law is Muslim, <laughs> okay? It's Christian law. 
It's Christian justice. You want to talk about social justice, you need to talk about who the Bible says we need to kill as a government. I'm not saying personally. I'm not saying the church. I'm saying the government. The government is under God in the same way that the church is under God, in the same way that you are under God, your family is under God. The government has certain responsibilities. And one of those responsibilities is murderers, when convicted on the evidence of two or more witnesses, ought to be given the death penalty. That is somebody that Christ insists that you kill. If you don't, you are disobeying Christ. Rapist is the same thing. Rapist is the same thing. If a rapist is convicted on the evidence of two or more witnesses, okay, that rapist forfeits his life. The government should kill for Christ that rapist. That sounds like a shock to the system, but what's the alternative? That's what I want to want to talk about here. Like, like I know that's shocking to you, killing for Christ. You've never heard that before, right? You've never heard that. But what's the alternative? Is there an alternative? There is an alternative, yeah. Instead of Christ deciding who you should kill, random Joes, sinners, decide who you should kill. And so here's the, here's the thing. So like our government, we have a certain code, a certain set of rules, and we've decided who's worthy of the death penalty. So, so it's, it's typically like the most heinous of criminals, not all murderers, just some murderers, if it's especially heinous, or maybe if they killed a number of people, or maybe if it was a hate crime or something like that. Like we've decided there's certain people that the government needs to kill, but we've decided. And every Christian needs to ask themselves, what makes more sense? God deciding who lives and dies or random people, Donald Trump deciding Barack Obama deciding, Nancy Pelosi and her team of, her squad, whatever it's called, them deciding. Because that's the alternative. Sinners like you and me deciding who lives and dies. And that is not an alternative I'm interested in. It's just not. It's just not. Now you might say, well, there's some people out there that say no one should die, no death penalty. And I say to you, that's first of all, that's false. <laughs> because everyone when the when the time comes when the emotional juices are flowing everyone has said has said i hope you burn in hell or i hope you you should die for what you did or things like that usually for the, for like the for like the pacifists out there usually it's like if an animal dies you know like like uh like uh Haram, harambe died so then that person needs to pay or or those trophy hunters you know they'll have a woman that killed a lion that person deserves to die like that usually it's animals that get people riled up especially the the so-called peaceful people you know, but, but that's it. I mean, that, that's our alternative, right? Are you going to kill for Christ or are you going to kill for the legislature? Are you going to kill for the president? Are you going to kill for the constitution? That's your options. Those are the only options. And I think that if we're going to be consistent Christians and we're, have to, we're going to say, look, Romans 13 says the government should be a deacon, a servant of God. God has a word for that government. And look, we have a lot of work to do to figure out exactly what that word is and exactly how to carry it out and exactly what are still death penalty crimes and versus what aren't. Look, there's there's controversy about that. There's argument. There's debate about that. But that's a debate we need to have, right? That's a debate we need to have. I do not say that we've got it all figured out, but we need to start figuring it out right now. Because the reality is, 
if you if you're not willing to kill for Christ, you're going to be willing to kill for an idol. It's really just that simple. And I don't want, I don't think that that's a very complicated or difficult option for a Christian. Anyway, I hope that was helpful. God bless. Don't forget to tune in next week on Thursday for AD on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.